that. If you can come, we'd love to have you. How many of you want to hear from God today? Absolutely. Want to hear from God? How many of you want a word from the Lord? How many of you like two words from the Lord? Wouldn't two words from the Lord be better than anything that I would have to say? Is that right? And two words are better than one, right? So we've got two words for you today from the Lord. And... Uh, and from the Lord, from, from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ and from the precious Holy Spirit. Two words. Realize I say two words. two words. Two words. This is going to be a little different today, but, but I tell you what, it's going to be very simple. You're going to be able, all of us are going to be able to get this. I like it when it's simple because I can understand it and get it. Okay. How many words? Two. two words. Now, go to the book of Romans chapter one and, uh, the, the epistles, that's just a fancy word for letters. God sent letters to the churches. And and I want to go through some things here. I want to see if you can pick up two words that God's saying to the churches. Now, how many of you are born again? How many of you have Jesus in your heart? You receive Jesus in your heart? You, then these are words to you and they're words to me. So let's see what, what it is the Holy Ghost is saying to us. How about that? Romans 1 verse 1. Paul, now he was an apostle. He said, a bondservant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Through him, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all the nations for his name, among whom you also are called of Jesus Christ to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Grace to you and what? Guess what the two words are? Grace and peace. You think you can remember that? That's what God's saying to you and to me today and every day. Grace and peace from God our Father. Where is this grace and peace coming from? From God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know how you can get any better than that. You know, grace, you say, what is grace? Grace is God's unmerited or undeserved or unearned favor. That's what God's grace is. It's his goodwill. It's his kindness. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. He just offers it to us. Isn't, isn't that wonderful? And peace, when you study into this word peace, it means this. Prosperity in every area of your life. God wants you to be prosperous in every area of your life. Did you know that? That's the will of God. There's a lot of Christians don't know that. But God wants you to prosper in every area of your life. Spirit, soul, body, financially, socially, in every way possible. It also means, this word peace, it means to be at rest. It actually means this, the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation. Did you know God wants you to be assured of your salvation? That's part of what he's saying when he's saying peace to you. He's saying, I want you, all of you who've placed your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, to be at rest and be assured of your salvation through Christ. 
And then it goes on, this definition, it goes on of peace, says, it, it means this, the tranquil state of a soul being assured of its salvation through Christ and so fearing nothing from God. Think about that. Now, we need to be God-fearing people. I fear the Lord. How about you? I mean, we, we should fear the Lord, but God doesn't want us to be afraid of him like we'd be afraid of a rattlesnake, you know. God doesn't want us to have this un, un, un uh, uh, it's an unfounded fear that a lot of people have that every time they make a mistake that he's going to whack you over the head with a, with a sledgehammer. You see, God doesn't want us to fear him in that way. And when he says peace to us, he wants us, it, it means here, so fearing nothing from God, God doesn't want you to be afraid of him in a bad way. Do you understand that? Did you know there's a lot of people that are afraid of God in a bad way? They're afraid that every time they make a wrong move, God's going to just smack them like a bug. Do you know that's not the will of God at all? He does not want you to be afraid of him. Somebody say amen to that. And so fearing nothing from God and content... With your earthly position in life. Did you know God wants us all to be content with that? And so when he says grace to you, he's saying my undeserved favor. You don't deserve it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. My good will toward you. My kindness toward you. And then when he says peace, he's, he's saying I want you to prosper in every area of your life. I want you to be at rest. I want you to fear nothing from me. I'm not going to hurt you and harm you. I might correct you and you need, need to reverence God. But he doesn't. He's saying, I don't want you to be afraid of me. And I want you to be content with, with where you are in life. So when we read where he says grace to you and peace, that's what he's saying. Did you get that? Did, did you get that or not? Yes or no? Did you get that or not? You got that? All right. Now, having said that, we just read the epistle the letter to the Romans, the church in Rome. Now let's go to the next one in your Bible. What's the next book after Romans? Does anybody know? First Corinthians. Now Acts comes before Romans, doesn't it? And, and the, the epistles to the church begin with the Romans, you see. And then the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 1, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ to the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God. Now, who's he writing to? To the church of God at Corinth. But this would be applied to the church of God in Fenton. To the church of God at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Now notice, with all who in every place, well that'd include us, wouldn't it? Call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. What does he say in verse 3? Grace and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? And then he writes them another letter. What comes after 1 Corinthians? He writes them another letter. At a later time, I wonder if God changes his mind about this grace and peace. Well, let's see. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God at Corinth, with all the saints who are in all of Achia. Notice verse 2, or however you say that. Verse 2. Great. What's he saying now? Grace to you and peace. From who? From God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? 
I don't think Christians realize this as they should. That's why the Holy Ghost has me on it this morning. Grace and what? Peace. From who? From the angels? No, from who? God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't get any higher than that. Did God change his mind between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians? No? No? Now, what comes after 2 Corinthians? What's next? Oh, Galatians. Galatians chapter 1 verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men or through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia. See, that was a region, many churches there. What does he say in verse 3 to all these churches? Grace to you and peace from who? From God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you know, somebody might say, well, these were just form letters. And, you know, Paul just started everyone, you know, the same way. No, 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 dear friends. You need to understand that every word in your Bible is God breathed and God spoken and God ordained. God doesn't write form letters. Did you hear me? Every word in the Bible means something. And when God says grace and peace, it's not just a form letter. It's coming from the heart of God, breathed from God to you and to me. Grace and what? Peace. We need to get a revelation of this. It will change your life if you get a revelation that God is is offering us what? Grace and peace. Isn't that wonderful? Well, maybe he got tired of offering that after Galatians. Well, what comes after Galatians? Ephesians. Chapter 1, verse 1. Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus. Are you faithful in Christ Jesus? Well, if you are, notice verse 2. Grace to you and peace from who? God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. God wants us to understand that he's offering us grace and peace. Is this just a form letter? No. We get a revelation of that, we'll start shouting, running around the room, jumping up and down. Is that right? What is God saying to us? What are the two words? Do you understand what grace means? It's his unmerited, undeserved favor and kindness. Is that right? And peace is just all those things we said a while ago. You don't need to be afraid of me. God's saying, I love you. I care about you. Every last one of you. Is that right? Now, what did we just read Ephesians? What comes after Ephesians? Philippians chapter 1 verse 1. Paul and Timothy. Bond servants of Jesus Christ. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. With the bishops and deacons. Verse 2. Grace to you and peace. From who? You're not getting bored with this, are you? I don't ever get bored with grace and peace coming from God. Sleep better at night when you know that. Is that right? What comes after Philippians? I wonder what he has to say to the Colossians. Chapter 1. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, who are in Colossae, what? 
Grace to you and peace from who? The angels? No, from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Are these form letters? No. Well, what happens after Colossians? We go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, Silvanus, or Silas, Timothy... To the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Help me. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, we need to get a revelation of this, dear friends. Amen. Now, what comes after 1 Thessalonians? Wonder if God changed his mind about this church. Let's see, chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, Silvanus, or Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians, and God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, help me out, and peace from who? Now, if somebody asks you this afternoon what you learned in church today, you better not stand there and go, ooh, this is easy. What are the two words? From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let's see. Let's move on. What comes next? 1 Timothy 1 and verse 1. Now, now we get into Timothy, and he was a pastor. And Paul, who was an apostle, is writing to a pastor. And notice, but, but it's certainly for the church, and it's telling the pastor how to run his church. And notice he says here in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope to Timothy. So I wonder what God is saying to the pastor. He's saying, Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace. Uh Uh-oh, he throws in mercy. I guess us pastors, we need a little mercy. Now, those of you who've never pastored, you, you don't know what I'm talking about. So you're just sitting there thinking, okay. But you try pastoring sometime and you'll see that you need grace, peace, and you could use some mercy too. Because you see, not only does the pastor have to deal with his life and his problems, but he also has to deal with your life and your problems. And I think that's why the pastor, if he's doing his job right, can use some mercy. I think that's why that mercy's there. What do you think? Somebody asked me, what's the difference between grace and mercy? Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. If you're taking notes, I'll say that again. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. See, grace affords us heaven. We don't deserve heaven, but we get it anyway. That's grace. Mercy keeps us out of hell. We deserve it, but we don't get it. Isn't that wonderful? But I'm thankful for His grace and His mercy. And His grace and His mercy is offered to all of us. But I just thought I'd throw that in there, this pastoral epistle, this letter to the pastor. I think that sometimes the pastor can use, can use some mercy. So that's why I think he threw that in there. But nonetheless, what is it? Grace, mercy, and peace. Where is it coming from? You got that, right? I wonder if God's out of grace and mercy and peace after 1 Timothy. Well, what comes after 1 Timothy? So I told you, this is not a tough one today. This is an easy one. Now let's go to chapter 1, verse 1. 
Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son. So he's writing to Timothy again. And notice, what does he say? Grace. He still needs that mercy. He's still pastor in that church, so he needs mercy. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. So that grace, mercy, and peace is there for all of us, isn't it? And then, after 2 Timothy, we have another pastoral epistle. That means he, right, he's, Paul's writing to a pastor, pastor in a church. And notice what he says to the pastor in chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a bondservant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and acknowledgement of truth which, accord, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life which God who... Oh, how about that? God who what? He can't what? He can't lie. Isn't that good? He can't lie. Promised before time began, but has in due time manifested his word through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God our Savior, to Titus, a true son in our common faith, grace, mercy, and Peace. You see, God's no respecter of persons. He threw the mercy in there for Titus, just like he did for Timothy, didn't he? How many of you know Titus needs mercy as well as Timothy? I just thought I'd point that out. That's interesting. Grace, mercy, and peace. Where is it coming from? Is it coming from Gabriel? Coming from Michael? No, who is it coming from? God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. That's good news, isn't it? You need to... Grab a hold of this. Let this sink down in your spirit. Take hold of it. What's the word of God to us? Grace and peace and mercy to boot. Amen. And then we go to this next book. Anybody know what it is? Philemon. I used to think that was Philemon. But I think it's Philemon. There's only one chapter. Somebody said, well, who is Philemon? He was a wealthy Christian of Colossae who hosted a house church. See, back there then, a lot of times they, the churches met in houses. And Philemon, he was a, he was a wealthy individual, and he, he hosted a house church, and he got saved under the Apostle Paul's ministry. And so when Paul was in prison, there was Onesimus, a slave that, that he was a slave of Philemon's, and he escaped and whatnot. And I won't get, get into all of that. But nonetheless, Paul is writing a letter. And Paul said that receive Onesimus back as a brother in the Lord and all of that. Much we can learn. But here's the point for today. Paul here is writing. Now, is Paul just writing because he doesn't have anything better to do? Or is, are these God-breathed words? God-breathed words. Are these form letters or are these God-breathed words? Okay, and he's writing to Philemon. And he says, verse 1, here there's only one chapter. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer. To the beloved, and there's, you can say those names, you can sound, sound them out, our, our fellow soldier. And to the church in your house. So what's he offering to this church? Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That should never get old. Well, pastor, that's getting old. Grace and peace never gets old, dear friends. If you really understand it. 
What's God offering the churches? He's offering us grace and peace. See, before we got saved, he offered grace and peace. See, by grace we're saved through faith. Is that right? And, and remember when the angel appeared, you know, the angels there appeared to the shepherds. They said, peace on, before, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, they said, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Is that right? And what that peace the angels was talking about there was peace from God toward man. You see, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So you see, to a sinner, God offers grace and peace. But once we get saved, what does God still offer us? Grace and peace. Because he's writing to the churches here. And you see, a lot of Christians a lot of times think God's mad at them. Well, I messed up, I goofed up, and God's mad at me. No, just repent, ask him to forgive you, confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you. And what does he offer? Grace and peace. And if you need mercy, it's there too. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Glory to God. Now, we move on to Hebrews. 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 Now, think about Hebrews. This one, this letter, there is no... Salutation, you know what a salutation is, the way you start or end a letter, you know. There is no, I think George might have went to sleep on me there, but it's okay. He's about 90 years old, I'm glad he's in church, can you say amen? We're just, I'm just glad to see the saint of God sitting in church. You okay, George? Okay, good, I thought you were going to sleep on me, are you there? Okay, good. I've had junior high people go to sleep on me, but I've never known if I've had a senior citizen go to sleep on me. So, are you there? Okay, good. Grace and peace to you, George. Fresh batteries and hearing aids. Okay, <laughs> praise God. That's good. I know my mother, she got hearing aids. We, we, she needed to get hearing aids, and she just wouldn't get them, wouldn't get them, wouldn't get them, wouldn't get them, wouldn't get them. Finally, we took her almost by force. And she's sitting in there, and they're measuring her up for the hearing aids. Remember how she looked at us? She gave us a look. If looks could kill you, and I'd have been six foot under. Is that right? But then she finally gets the hearing aids. She puts them in, and she looks at me, and she says, she said, I hope you're happy. You'll be able to hear me now when I talk to you. And those babies are sure whistle, you know, but, but, but I tell you what, they worked. I mean, she couldn't hear and I'd get behind her, stand behind her. I'd say, blue. She'd say, blue, red, red, purple, purple. And I'd whisper it. Boy, she could get it. Thank God for hearing aids. Amen. Okay. Now, what's the two words for today? But there's no grace and peace offered here in Hebrews. Wonder why that is. Well, my thoughts, these are just my thoughts on it. This church, this, this letter was written to a group of believers who were contemplating turning their backs on Jesus and renouncing him and going back into Judaism. And did you know that if, if a Christian contemplates turning their back on the Lord Jesus and wa- contemplates walking away from him, To that Christian, there would not be grace and peace. But 
God's a good God. And as Paul, I believe Paul was the author here. The Holy Ghost is the author, but I believe he used Paul. I can't prove that he used Paul, but I think he did. But if you go to Hebrews 6 and 9, how many of you know God believes the best of people, doesn't he? And he says here in Hebrews 6 and 9, he said, But beloved, we're confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation. And then in chapter 10, verse 39, in chapter 10, verse 39, he says, But we are not of those who draw back to perdition or to judgment, but of those who believe, we could say continuing to believe to the saving of the soul. So you see, these people, these Christians were contemplating turning their back on the Lord Jesus. Why? Because the persecution was so great. When they'd come out of Judaism, received Jesus, they were persecuted by their families. And they were, they were, they were considered outcasts and much persecution plus the persecution of the day that was going on. And, and many contemplated turning their backs on Jesus and going back into Judaism and no grace and peace would be offered to such a one. But God says, we're confident of better things concerning you. And, we're, and then he says, but we are not of those who draw back, but those who believe to the saving of the soul. So God still thinks the best of us when we're thinking about doing the worst. That's the kind of God that he is. And, and, and as a result... Many did not turn their backs on Jesus. They continued to believe in him. And you see in Hebrews 13, 25, the last verse in Hebrews, notice how Paul ends it. He says what? Grace be with you all. Amen. So that's good, isn't it? Isn't Jesus wonderful? And then we move to James. And James, it's interesting here, he does not offer a salutation of grace and peace either. Now, you need to realize that 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 first and second Timothy and Titus are called pastoral epistles. And James is not considered a pastoral epistle, but it really is a pastoral epistle because you see first Timothy, second Timothy and Titus was Paul writing to those pastors, Timothy and Titus, but James is the only record that we have in all of the Bible, at least in the New Testament, where a pastor is writing to his congregation. And so in that way, I think it is a pastoral epistle. Whereas Timothy and Titus was the apostle writing to the pastor. Here we have in James, the pastor writing to the church. And you say, well, why wouldn't the pastor offer a salutation of grace and peace? And when you go in and you start reading James, years ago when I read it, I thought, wow, I, man, pretty hard, some, some interesting, hard, hard, kind of hard words and things in there. And, and, and I didn't care for it. Now that I've been a pastor for all these years, I love the book of James. It's a wonderful book, one of the greatest books. And I love all the books in the Bible, but I really like the book of James. But you have a pastor right in his congregation. And actually, it's, 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 it's interesting as you go in there and read James, he, he kind of jumps subjects a lot. He's on this, and then he's on that, and then he's on this, and then he's on that, and then he's on this, and then he's on that. Now, it's all from God. Say amen. amen. But no grace and peace. And, and I've wondered about that. And in the best way that I can put it to you 
would be this way. Because if you notice here, as you look at verse 1, James 1 and verse 1, James 1 and verse 1, it says, A bondservant of God, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. And what does he say? Greetings. Does he say grace and peace? No, what does he say? He says, what does he say? He says, greetings. Now, the best way I can put this is this. It's kind of like a pastor who has pastored somewhere for a long time. And he's been there maybe 20 or 30 years pastoring. And in 20 or 30 years, you're going to have a lot of people come and go from your church. Is that right? And notice it's to the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad. Now notice that. To the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad. And... Over a long period of time, you're going to have people come and leave your church. If you have a church, if you pastor any length of time, you're going to have people leave. And it's kind of like a pastor who's pastored in a church for a long time. And a lot of people have left over the years. But there's an elderly person there who's been there for almost the whole time. And over that 30 years or whatever, that pastor has made a lot of good relationships with a lot of good people, you know. These people, other people have left, but that elderly person has stayed there. And then all of a sudden, that elderly person gets up in years, of course, and he dies or she dies. And then the funeral is held at the church. And all the people come back for that one service, for that funeral. And the pastor who's pastor these people who have left his church over the years gets to preach that person's funeral. And so he gets up and he says, dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to honor So and so. And then he looks over and he sees people who used to attend his church who are always depressed and impatient. And he says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And then he goes on a little bit and he looks over here and he sees someone that they attended my church and they were double minded. And he says, a double minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And then he goes on trying to honor the dearly departed and he looks over here and he sees a group of people who blamed all their problems on God. And he says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of lights. And then he looks to the back and he sees someone who's attending the service. He hasn't seen them in 20 years, but he remembered that they talked too much. And then he says, bridle your tongues. And then he looks over to the left and he sees somebody sitting over there who talked too much and they had anger management issues. And he says, be swift to hear, slow to speak and slow to wrath. See, he's jumping topics. That, that's what would happen when you preach a funeral and you've had a lot of people leave your church and they come back for that one service. I know I've been there a couple of times. I've resisted the temptation, but James, I don't think, resisted it. And he just took, took advantage and kind of, kind of targeted. Target preach. And then... He looks over and he sees some people who are back for the memorial service who were prideful. And he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then he sees those who are visiting there, honoring the dearly departed, and sees those who never came to prayer. And he says, you have not because you ask not. This is actually hilarious. You, you don't get the humor, but it's if you pastored any length of time, it's... It's if you really got it, you'd be laying down on the floor laughing hilariously. Have you ever read the book of James? 
And then those who come to prayer, see, he sees people there at that memorial service. They never prayed. They never prayed when they attended my church. They never prayed. They never came to prayer service. We'd have prayer. They never came. He says, you have not because you asked not. Then he sees those who did pray, but they were always asking for gold watches and diamond rings. And he says, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon yourselves. Interesting, isn't it? And then he looks over and he sees those who love the messages but never volunteered, never lifted their fingers to do a thing in the church. And he says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. He says, faith without works is dead. See, I guess I had to soften these people up with a little bit of grace and peace to get to this. They never lifted their fingers to do a thing. Love the messages. So he said, be doers of the word, not hearers only. Faith without works is dead. And then, of course, as he's trying to get through this memorial service for the dearly departed, he sees the click crowd. Does anybody know the click crowd? You know, uh, it's like uh, reindeer. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Remember all those other reindeers? They were, they were a click crowd. They were going to let Ru- Rudolph join in any of their reindeer games. Is that right? And he sees, and now, now we, we're fortunate here. We haven't had this click group here in years, but we used to have a little click group. And, and, but that's long since gone. I love the atmosphere of this church now. Praise God. But of course, the pastor trying to get through this, talking about James here, trying to get through this message for this dearly departed. He sees the click crowd, and of course, they're sitting in the back in a group by themselves. And he says, do not have the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ with respect to persons. And then he sees the strife causers who came back just merely to honor the dearly departed. He says, where envy and strife is, there's confusion and every evil work. And then, of course, he sees people who are there that never did anything that the pastor preached. And he said to them, he said, to him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. And finally, to the adulterers and the adulteresses and the sinners, he says, adulterers, adulteresses and sinners, repent. Then he closes the message and so on and so forth. I see that didn't go over real well, did it? But my wife got it. I think some people might have fell under conviction there while I was preaching on that. That's good, isn't it? You enjoyed it, didn't you? How many got that? Yeah. Yeah. And then I put my notes here. I meant that to be kind of funny. Was it funny? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you really have to pastor and deal with people to really get that, to understand to, or understand the book of James. Yeah, have you ever heard you have not because you asked not? That's in the book of James. See, I guess you have to have a crowd that knows the book of James to really get that. But James goes in there and he almost looks. He's on this topic. He's on that topic. He's on this topic, and I'm convinced he's addressing the the people who have left his church, and he's trying to trying to get all of them and straighten them out. Be concerned when God stops correcting you. Be concerned when God stops stepping on your toes. Be concerned when he stops chastening you. Because the Bible says, if you're without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye illegitimate and not true children of God. So I'm always thankful when God's stepping on my toes. While I'm on the subject, I've had people leave here over the years because I preach messages that sometimes it step on their toes. And all the time they didn't realize that it was God loving them and I'm loving them. 
but they went and left and went somewhere, you know, to sit in a place where they'll tell them what they want to hear all the time. Isn't that sad? But I tell you what, as long as I'm the pastor of this church, we'll correct when God needs to correct. We never embarrass anybody or call anybody out and embarrass them. But how many of you know if you teach the word, sometimes that word's going to step on your toes. But the same word that steps on your toes will turn right around and heal you. Is that right? Can you say amen? Glory to God. And so anyway, though he doesn't say grace and peace, we really see the grace and the peace of God offered in the book of James because he's correcting the people. And when God's correcting you, he's showing you that he's still extending grace and peace to you. Did you get anything out of the book of James? All right. So read the book of James. Pastor for about 20 years. Go back and listen to my message and you'll get how funny that really was. Now, let's finish this up. What comes after James? First Peter, chapter one, verse one, apostle of Jesus Christ and so on and so forth. For the sake of time, let's just skip down to verse two. Look at the last part of verse two. What does he offer? Grace to you and peace. What? That's even better than getting grace and peace. That's multiplying it. And can you see these aren't form letters? Because now you don't have Paul writing. Who do you have writing? You have Peter writing. And it's the exact same message. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Not only, God doesn't just want you to have grace and peace. He wants it multiplied. You know the definition of multiplication is rapid addition. I know I used to be a math teacher. Addition's good, but how many of you like multiplication better? It's just addition, speed it up. And that's what God wants for you and for me. Grace and peace. Look at Second Peter 1 verse uh, 1. And you could read Simon Peter, a bondservant, apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who obtain like precious faith and so on. Look at verse 2. Grace and peace. Isn't that wonderful? To you in the knowledge of God of our Lord, uh, uh, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Is it still coming from God and the Lord Jesus? Yeah. And then we get into the epistles of John, and basically you have to go to the second letter and the third verse. The second letter and the third verse. And what does he say here? In, you don't see it in first and third John, but you do see it in second John, and you'll see it again in a moment. What does he offer? He says, grace, mercy, and peace. There's that mercy again. It's, it's so wonderful. We serve such a good God. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from who? God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father in truth and love. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? And then we go to Jude. Well, if nothing else, you got a review of the New Testament letters, didn't you? In order, right? One chapter says Jude. Now, now this, this was, uh, did you know that James was Jesus's, uh, I guess you'd call him half-brother. Jesus was born of a virgin. Did you know he was born of a virgin? You know, if Jesus wasn't born of a virgin, Christianity falls apart. Did you know that? This time of the year, we're thinking of the virgin birth, aren't we? And you ought to be thinking of the virgin birth. Jesus was born of the virgin. If he wasn't, then Christianity is a farce and it falls apart. But how many of you know the virgin did conceive and bear a son? Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? 100% God, 100% man, Jesus. Praise God. But you see, Mary and Joseph had other children, sons and daughters. 
very, very clear. They did not have sexual intercourse until after Jesus was born. But after he was born, they had sexual intercourse and they had several sons and daughters. The Bible's clear on that. One of them was James. Did you know that James didn't believe on Jesus during Jesus' ministry? But after Jesus was raised from the dead, James became a believer. And the same thing with Jude. Jude and James were brothers, sons of Mary and Joseph, but they were what we'd call half-brothers of Jesus. And Jude didn't believe on Jesus either during his earthly ministry. But after he was raised from the dead, he did, and God used him to write a book. And he says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, see that? To those who are called sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. So he doesn't use grace and mercy, but he uses something just as good. Are you getting the heartbeat of God toward you? I hope so. And then we'll conclude right here in the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation. And in the book of Revelation, you know, it's, of course, the study of the end times and and the the apocalypse and the revealing of the Lord Jesus. Really, the book of Revelation is about the revealing of the Lord Jesus. Much too much time is spent on the Antichrist in the book of Revelation. We ought to spend our time on, on the Christ, the Lord Jesus. Amen. But that having been said, you can learn many other things from the book of Revelation. And and, and in chapters 2 and 3, the Holy Ghost, through John, the apostle, uh, uh, has something to say to the churches. And I taught a whole series on that many months ago. We went through each of those seven churches. But just just right here in verse 4, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace. So you see it's not a form letter because Paul's saying it and John was saying it. Peter was saying it. The same thing. Grace and what? Peace. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Now that seven, there aren't seven Holy Spirits. There's one Holy Spirit, but he has a sevenfold ministry. To find out what that is, get an amplified Bible. Look over in the book of John where Jesus talks about when the comforters come and in the book of John, in the amplified Bible, it'll give you, you know, helper, intercessor, strengthener, so on and so forth. There's seven, there's a sevenfold ministry that the Holy Ghost has to the church. So anyway, much we could say, but, but from the Father, from the Son, and from the Holy Ghost, what's the word? Grace to you and what? Peace. Grace and what? Peace. Somebody says, Pastor, what's the Holy Ghost have to say to me today? What's the Holy Ghost saying to me today? He's saying what? Grace and peace. Now, that's a word from Almighty God, two words for all of us. And we can throw in mercy and love and all of that. That's the will of God towards all of us. Did you know that? A lot of people looking for a word from God, word from God. God, I need a word. Give me a word. Give me a word. Give me a word. Give me a word. You know, most people over the years that I've found that are looking for a word from God spend very little time in the Holy Bible. And if you won't spend time in the Bible, that's where God's speaking to us, in that Bible. And if you won't spend time in the Word, why why should you expect to get a word from God through a prophecy from a preacher or something like that? Get in the Word of God. He'll speak to you. 
And then he'll speak to you through that inner witness. And then if you need it, God can give you a word through a, through a, through a, 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 a minister or somebody like that, you know. Or from a friend or whatever. Certainly, certainly, certainly. But I think too many Christians spend far too much time looking for these nebulous words out here. Get into the word of God. That's the sure word of God. That's the more sure word of prophecy. Isn't that right? Didn't Peter say that? He, how many of you know Peter was up on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus was transfigured up there? Peter, James, and John. And Peter later wrote, he said that we, talking of the Bible, have a more sure word of prophecy than, 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 than we had on that mountain. Is that right? Praise God. A lot of Christians don't realize that. But that Bible that you hold in your lap is the most sure word of prophecy that there is. And the word that God has for each and every one of us today is what? Grace and peace. Stand with me if you would. Praise God. I'm going to have Brian close up the service. But before I do so he can get ready. But let's just just stand there with your heads bowed and your eyes closed and let's just thank God. Just thank God out of your own mouth. Learn to do it just just however you do. Just thank him because he's he's offered us such a wonderful thing. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your grace.